What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Colin, the chief Av Geek, aviation maniac, or whatever you want to call me. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody, and welcome to 2019. I'm glad to have everyone back uh, this year. And we're going to do big things this year on the podcast. It's going to be a big year. I got a lot of goals uh, in 2019 for the uh, the Abgeek Chronicles podcast. 2018 kind of was, I don't want to say a monumental year, but it was pretty pretty special because it was the beginning of the podcast. You know, I started it one way and it ended up turning another. And the way it turned, uh, you know, the second time around, it's really hit. I mean, it's hit so much that we've reached 3,600 downloads so far on the podcast. And that's just... That's just a testament, uh, I think, to the guests that I put on, um, you know, and just the content that I love putting out. But more importantly, I mean, it's you guys, the listeners, and the comments and the feedback and the positivity that I've been getting from people everywhere, not just from the United States, not just from Texas, but even all the way from Australia, for God's sakes. I mean, it's just been amazing, the, um, the feedback and the following that this little idea that I had not too long ago, uh, it's turned into a really cool thing. So 2018 was big for the Avgy Chronicles podcast and for me and kind of just putting this content out there for everybody. And it's been super, super fun. I love meeting new people. I love the connections that this podcast is creating. Uh, but 2019 is going to be great. We're going to have a lot of new guests. We're going to have a lot of new content. I'm going to start a new series um, on here. So not only, not only am I going to bring original content, I'm going to bring more Ask the Ab Geek shows, and we're going to start a new little series uh, coming up here soon. So I'm super, super special. But 2018 was huge. I mean, for the Ask the Ab Geek show, uh, I mean, we had we had Matt Oliveira, a.k.a. My Lives, you know, your your uh, your flight attendant's favorite flight attendant. I mean, we had Aaron David from Canada. We had Mark Robinson from One Above Aviation out in Orange County, out there close to L.A., we talked about how you could affordably pay for flying. We had AJ Ramey coming from, you know, Team TMT out there in Vegas, you know, Floyd Mayweather's pilot and the incredible story um, that he had and how he got into it. We had Matt Dunham from Winged Aviation and how he's trying to help, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, people in the military transition and, and possibly get careers uh, in aviation. We had Sammy Adams. You know, Sam had a cool story. And if you don't, make sure you go back to episode episode nineteen. I mean, this kid, he took a dream and he went he went with it, and now he's a commercial pilot up there uh, in Canada. In I mean, record record time. I mean, we had Mel Williams from Atlanta. We had Austin. Uh, you know, and we had my first show with my best friend, Eli. I mean, that was great. I mean, Eli's such a good guy. Uh, I mean, he's a huge motivation for me. He pushes me. Um, and that's huge. So just a lot of great episodes, really good kicking off the SEF Geek show. And this year, this year is going to be, uh, this year is going to be a good year. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. All right. Speaking of 2019, we're going to kick 2019 off with another episode of the Ask the Ab Geek show. And today I have another special guest with me, a local here in Texas, here in Fort Worth, uh, Mark Brown. Mark, hey how you doing? I'm great. Good. <laughs> Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's kind of funny. We're here at the, uh, we're here at the Gaylord Hotel. It's a massive hotel here in Grapevine. Are we in Grapevine? Yeah. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, Funny background story. We won't get into the whole thing, but it's kind of where this podcast took off. So 
kind of a special little place uh, <laughs> here at the Gaylord. Um, but so happy to have Mark here on the show. Um, I know we've been trying to schedule this for a while. Yeah, it's so, been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so really excited uh, to get this episode going. Um, but Mark, before we kind of get into, I mean, the crazy travel lifestyle and everything you do uh, with Quest, I want the kind of the audience, because we kind of have a global audience, understand where you came from, who you are just as a person, you know, outside of the aviation world and kind of uh, what makes you. So the first thing we'll do is, you know, introduce yourself to uh, to the audience, you know, where I know where you live personally, but tell yeah. the audience, you know, where you live, maybe where you're originally from okay. uh, and whatnot. Cool. Yeah. So uh, Mark Brown uh, was born and raised in Texas, um, between Texas and Colorado, um, and started flying when I was 13. Uh, it was, I was a passionless kid, as my parents like to say, so I didn't really have, I played sports, but there wasn't anything that I, I really loved and there was nothing that I wanted to do and aviation just seemed like a cool thing. So my parents gifted me a, a discovery flight when I was 13 and uh, it, it kind of took off from there. I flew throughout high school uh, for various reasons I won't get into on this podcast. I, I quit flying for about eight years, um, did some other things with life. Uh, and then when I decided to go back to college, um, aviation wasn't even in, in my mind at that point. I had taken so much time off of it. So I'd, I wanted to be in finance, got a college degree in finance, worked in finance. And um, it wasn't until... Uh, kind of a couple of years after college, my, my now wife and I uh, decided that the two things we loved that we seemingly kept coming back to us was, was traveling and airplanes. So we ended up both becoming pilots uh, when it was all said and done, but it certainly wasn't a, a straight path to get there. So, I mean, it's funny because you're, you're the first person I've had on the podcast, um, whose wife is a pilot. I mean, you guys both share this passion. So kind of where did that start? Because I know you guys went to school together. Yeah. Uh, how did that story, you know, how did that come together? And who, who got their pilot's license first? <laughs> That's a good question. So it's a really long story. I won't, I won't get into the details, um, which I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners probably don't want anyways. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, the, the long and short of it is is we had both, flown uh in high school and had both quit actually for for different reasons but mm -hmm. similar reasons and uh and then we met in college and believe it or not it was a couple weeks if not a few months um knowing each other and becoming friends before we realized that either either one of us had a past history of flying uh, it just it it was something we weren't even thinking about at the time and then uh quite a few weeks into just being friends, she mentioned one of her old jobs was working at an FBO. And I had to go way back in my mind to even remember what an FBO stood for at that time. Because <laughs> uh, I was learning finance acronyms and everything else. So it just wasn't there. Um, so cut to quite a few years later, we, we both finished school. And, uh, and like I said earlier, it was it was something that wasn't we had we had both quit. We weren't ever going to become pilots again. It just wasn't wasn't there. And then, um, I wasn't loving the financial world. I didn't love sitting in an, an office staring at a spreadsheet for eighty hours a week. Didn't love the stress that came with it. And uh, and she had graduated college recently. We both went to TCU here in Fort Worth. 
And, uh, and, and we decided, Hey, we're young. Let's just move to New Zealand and see what happens. So you just moved. We, we bought a one-way ticket oh, and wow. packed a couple bags worth of stuff. And we had a, a, a working visa for New Zealand. Uh-huh. And so we, we went there, had no plans besides, you know, landing and seeing where life took us. So it was, it was a bit of a free for all, but you know, we figure what the heck we're both, you know, 22, 23 years old. We, d- we have no responsibilities. We have very little money. So mm-hmm. we had very little to lose and, uh, and it was an adventure. And so in that process, uh, we realized that, you know, aviation was actually pretty, pretty close to home and it, mm-hmm. it's such a great lifestyle to, you know, we, we kind of looked at each other about halfway through the trip, realized we were almost out of money. And <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't really, um, it, we were having trouble finding additional work in New Zealand at that time. So we, we looked at each other and said, what the heck are we going to do now? And one thing that came up was the fact that um, we could, you know, w- what, what occupation allowed us to travel? And we said, well, being a pilot, we get to fly airplanes and we get to get paid to travel. So let's do that. So we we moved home when we were totally out of money and uh, moved back in with Ashley's parents. uh, So how long was that? uh, Were you guys down there? Over from start to finish, it was, you know, four ish, four to five months. We were planning on being there a year. Uh, which is how long our visa was, but we, we ran out of money a lot sooner than we, <laughs> than we anticipated. There's a, there's a whole long story in that and I won't get into that, but, uh, we couldn't find work. Um, and it wasn't anything on our end. It was just there the economy at the time that we went down there was not good. It was yeah. 2000 and, uh, 2012, I guess it was. So anyway, long story short, we, um, we came back home and we decided to finish off our ratings at that time. All we had were, was our private pilot's license. And so we went back and, and moved in, saved every penny we could, took odd jobs and just started putting all of our money towards getting our, our flight ratings. So what, you know, what got you into it? What was the big inspiration? Because he said, you know, I mean, kind of like me, I guess I was almost kind of the same way, a passionless. I did so many things when I was younger. And you say you were kind of a passionless kid. What was the big inspiration to, you know, for your mom to get you the discovery flight? I mean, you say you wanted it, but it's weird because I ask everybody, you know, so far on the podcast and they're like, I took a discovery flight and that's how I did it. And I keep telling people, if you want to do it, take a discovery. Was it that discovery flight that was kind of the big inspiration? Uh, at the time when I was in high school, it, it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, I was, I was doing it for different reasons at that point. Right. I just, I was doing it because I, I, I thought maybe, you know, if I didn't, it would disappoint my parents or, you know, I, I didn't really have any other loves and it was unique. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot of high school kids that fly airplanes. So it, it, you know, it, I felt like it was something I could call my own, but I, I don't know at that time. I, I, you know, I thought I would go to the military. My, my half brother is in the military. Um, my dad was in the military. So at that time I thought, well, this is just a good avenue. It's another thing to put on the resume for an eventual, maybe a military academy, something like that. Um, so at that time, I think it was, but like I said, I, I quit. I didn't think about it again. So it, I don't know that I could have, I could call it a passion at that point in mm-hmm. time. 
it wasn't until I was obviously out of college. I didn't go to college right out of high school either. I took, I took some time off. So I had lived on my own. I had been on my own financially for quite a few years at that point. I had got, I'd put myself through college. I got a college degree and worked in an industry that, that I, I still, I, I, I love, I just didn't love the day to day of finance. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could work in finance and fly airplanes, that, that would be the, the <laughs> ideal goal, but it, yeah. it just doesn't work like that. Right. So, so I, I think it wasn't until I had exhausted a bunch of other possibilities and really found my footing and found what made me happy and what didn't make me happy that I could say, I really found a passion in aviation. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, I, I wasn't ever the guy that knew every airplane, you know, I, before I met Ashley, I couldn't have told you what a tail wheel versus, you know, a nose wheel airplane was beyond mm-hmm. just the obvious. I couldn't have named anything beyond a 172. It, it, I just wasn't that guy. I wasn't the, the guy that was super gung-ho about airplanes. Frankly, I was probably more interested in women than I was in anything else, you know, at that point, you know, in college, <laughs> like, college any, like any young guy. <laughs> right, right. So it just, it, it, um, so anyway, long story short, it, 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 there was a definitely a process and it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties that I even, you know, decided that I wanted to become a pilot professionally. And a lot of people, you know, I, I hear a lot of people at that age that say, you know, I can't go back now. I've put my so much energy into whatever, whatever it is I'm doing. And I say, look, dude, I, I, I left, you know, I moved back in with my, my eventual, my now in-laws for a year and a half just to save money to do flight lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, you, you have to take a lot of steps backwards sometimes, but if you can take more steps forward in the end, yeah. you know, that's the investment in, in yourself you want to do. It's almost like taking short, it's a short-term loss for a long-term, exactly. a long-term gain. Yep. If we're going to think finance terms. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and, and I, I got to tell you, I mean, my, a lot of my finance lessons came into play during this whole period. I mean, beyond the obvious of, of just the financials of flight training being really expensive, but you know, on, on the making an investment in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, holding on to those, that investment long-term versus short-term, you know, a lot of those, a, a lot of those concepts and principles definitely played into my, my decision to become a pilot. So on that kind of going through your training, you know, you, you said in some of your, uh, in some of your posts that you don't really consider your journey in aviation or in aviation kind of by the textbook how most people yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, so how was training for you? How, you know, how did you go about getting the ratings that you did? Yeah. So, I mean, beyond after our, our private, cause that took me quite a, quite a while to get, but, um, once we, once we came back here, moved in with my, my eventual in-laws, like I had said, you know, it was, it was gung ho. I mean, our, our goal was to get our ratings as fast as we could, to get to that, you know, at least to that commercial level to where now we could start getting paid to fly. Because like I said, we had no money. Yeah. I mean, I took out some loans. I was, you know, lucky enough to have, uh, you know, Ashley and, and her parents helped me a little bit financially. I was, I applied for every scholarship that I could, you know, and this is a kid with a finance degree, you know, <laughs> it, with no money. Right. So I guess maybe that degree didn't go to good use, but, <laughs> but, uh, it, it was, it wasn't pretty, um, but it, we knew we needed to just get it done. You know, it was like we were in college where, you know, our, the final exam was the instrument check ride or the commercial check ride or the multi check ride. 
And so we just did everything back to back to back. We flew every day we could if we couldn't fly due to weather or we, you know, we were trying to find where the next, you know, the, the next check was coming from or we had to wait and save up some money to for our next flight. We were hitting the books. We were studying. And, and the, I, I'm, I'm looking back on it, it was a lot easier to have Ashley do it with me because we did everything together. We took our every check ride on the exact same day from day one through our CFI. So you're almost like ride. partner in crime. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> our, through it. so you, you accountability asked, partner. Yeah. You asked earlier who got their license first. It was me, but only by, by two numbers. So our, our pilot's license numbers are, are literally two numbers apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So she, I took mine and then she got in the airplane right after me and, and took hers. And, um, so it, it yeah, I mean, it, it just, I think when you put your mind to it, I, you know, it seems like a really daunting task to, to do it, you know, to get all your ratings through your CFI or through your multi-commercial. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't that bad. And, and frankly, we enjoyed the journey. We were able to go on, you know, we didn't just do pattern work to get our, our rating, yeah. our hours. We, we went places, we explored, we, did things that probably looking back on it, we probably should have never have done, but that's how we, you know, that's how we learned how, what to do, what not to do. You have yeah. to, you, you've got to live life to realize, you know, how to live life sometimes. What's possible. Cause right. I mean, you think you're, you're in a little box and then you step out of the box and then your box keeps getting bigger as you step out. Right. Kind of step out of that. Exactly. Uh, out of that box. So kind of going back, I think it's really interesting. Uh, you know, growing up, and now through all these experiences that you've had so far, um, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned growing up uh, and that you kind of hold on close to now? Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few of them, you know, the, the golden rule obviously was, was pounded into my head from a young age, you know, doing to others as you'd have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, that goes into every aspect of life, right? So when you land at an FBO, you treat the line guys as well as they, you want them to treat your airplane. Yeah. You know, or, or you know, you, you treat the, the captain as well as you treat the janitor, you know, or whatever. Um, it, you know, everybody to me is, is, is on equal footing. We're all people. Um, so just the, the mutual respect, I think, and, and it goes a long way in, in the world of aviation because in this industry you find out everybody knows everybody. It's big, but it's small. It's big, but it's very small. I mean, I've met people halfway around the world in the middle of Asia that know some of the same people I know. Uh, and it, and the world in general is getting smaller with social media yep. and with the internet and aviation keeps getting smaller in, in, in the, that sense. So you know, if you treat people with respect, if you, if you network, if you do things like that, you get so much further in this industry and it becomes really the coolest industry in the world, in my opinion. It's funny because the way, the way I came into it was kind of out of college. I, I ran for the money. Hmm. I was young. I was yeah. coming out, you know, I had some student loan debt and everything. So I wanted to pay that off, but I was like, got to go for the money. And then it only took me maybe a year and a half to figure out. I was like, that was probably not the best choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. that's how I came. I found my passion. Uh, and that was here in aviation. And you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to sit back and, you know, take some cuts to enjoy what you really, what you really want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. But before we wrap up the introduction, just on yourself and your personal life, 
I really like this. Um, this is kind of like a personal mantra for you. I think I can't pronounce it, but I think <laughs> you may know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is it je de vivre? Or how, how do you <laughs> say that? Joie de vie. Okay, joie de yeah, vie. So joie de vie. So this is actually- What does that mean? Like, what does it mean to you and everything? It's like the essence of life. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's actually, uh, it, it's so Ashley, my wife, is is from Louisiana and her whole family's from Louisiana. And it's a, it's a Cajun Louisiana saying. Okay. So they've got the French influence and it's obviously French. And it's, it's basically just how, you know, it's kind of like the, the Cajun mantra of, of living life. Like you live, you, you live your life. You're, you're here to live. It's, it's the essence of, of life. So don't get bogged down with schedules or time frames or, you know, anything that, that gets you down in life, just enjoy life and live it day to day. And there's, you know, every day has amazing aspects to it. You just got to open your eyes to them. You just got to, I don't know. I kind of, I tell this to myself. I tell this to my friends, my wife, you kind of just, you got to live day by day and you just have to live that day to the best of your ability. Exactly. Uh, plus the Cajuns, they know how to have, they know how to have a good they know time how to have fun. life too. They know how to have fun. <laughs> yep. But let's, let's jump into kind of, I think nowadays how everybody knows you and kind of how you're the face uh, of the Kodiak brand um, and kind of everything that you guys have been doing because it, it really appears that 2018 was kind of a, a really good year for yeah. you guys yeah, uh, and everything. So, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, we kind of said that it's really how you got to where you are in aviation wasn't really by the books. You know, you didn't just go to flight school and uh, do like the airlines per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you, did you want to do this role? Like how did you get into the role of chief pilot and marketing director for, for quest? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it seems kind of happenstance and random and I, I look back at it and, and it is a bit, um, but there's also, you know, there's a part of me too, where I, I think everything I've done in life has kind of led up to a role mm-hmm. like this. Um, I've owned some of my own businesses. I've, you know, I've got, so I've got the marketing background. I've obviously got, you know, the kind of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. background. Um, and, and then obviously the pilot background. And so I, you know, when I was first hired at Quest, I was not in this role. It was a, you know, I was, I was basically in marketing. Um, at that time, the marketing was, was me. Yeah. And um, I've, I've grown it, you know, I've, I've grown in, the role I've, I've, you know, grown the department, but more than anything that the Kodiak has grown and, you know, we've had to, to grow the department with it. So, you know, how the role came about, um, it, it it's kind of one of those things where I, you know, I, I often hear people say, well, I'm just an employee. I'm just a number and a large corporation. And I can attest to the fact that, you know, even if you're in a large corporation, you don't have to be the CEO to change culture, to change, you know, what's going on or to even see your impact. Obviously, Quest is, is a small manufacturer. We make, we make one product. We're not a huge, you know, like Gulfstream. Mm-hmm. But one person can make a difference. And, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but, you know, there was really no marketing department at Quest when I came on board and I was hired more as a pilot and a little, you know, in, in the technical marketing department as well. 
And it just, it, it bothered me because the airplane was so cool. I saw mm-hmm. the potential and what we could do with it. I saw how, frankly, the people that knew about it really loved it. I mean, there was a passion behind this, this product. That Did you, it kind of have like a niche it, it absolutely, customer? I mean, it's a, it's a niche product yeah. by far, but it, it, um, it, the people that owned it were, were more passionate than I had seen, you know, any other manufacturer's owners were, mm-hmm. you know, and, and nobody was capitalizing on that. And I saw, I saw the opportunity and the potential there. So kind of on top of, on the role I was hired for, I just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start our social media channels. I'm going to start, you know, doing it on my own social media channels as well, because obviously what, what I do on my own channels is, is a reflection of me. What, what happens on quest channels is a reflection of, of the brand and the company. And so they're, they're, they're different, rightfully so. And so just little things like that, I started and, and luckily I had the blessing of the company to do a lot of those things. And it, it blossomed into, into the role I have now, which is the chief demo pilot and the marketing director role. So now I've got a, a full-fledged marketing department and, you know, we've got obviously, you know, pilots all over the world that are flying these things. So um, I, I guess the, the lesson in that is just because you're at a company and, and just because you're not at the head to make decisions doesn't mean you can't change culture or start new departments. Mm-hmm. So did you find the business or did the business find you? How yeah, did that work? It, it was kind of uh, twofold. So I, I had loved the, the Kodiak product because it, it's the type of flying that I like. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, obviously adventure is what Ashley and I live for. We love you know, doing things like moving to New Zealand with no money. So for, for us, just flying an airplane high, fast and far doesn't really... Um, it, it's it's not super exciting to us. It's 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 just a mode of transportation at that yeah. point. Where the Kodiak, or at that time before I, I worked for Quest, we you know we were flying Cubs all over the country, ferrying Cubs for people. And Ashley's got a J three Cub that we were flying, and we were just building hours and and having a lot of fun. But we really fell in love with the type of flying. The the doors open five hundred feet. Like bush, a, like kind of yeah, bush flying. Yeah, bush flying, you yeah. know, and it, it's what, in my opinion, the, the true, the heart of aviation yeah. is, is in, and there's nothing more fun than flying a J3 Cub in the, you know, in the summer with the door open and landing on a, on a gravel bar on some river and going fishing or, or whatever. So the Kodiak to me was just, uh, you know, the rich man's Cub. And so the, the type of flying was, it was just, it was what I was attracted to. So I liked the product, but I was at Sun and Fun about actually, well, five years ago. And um, I was just chatting with some of the pilots and I expressed my passion about the product. And, and they started asking me about my background. Um, cut to a few weeks later, uh, I had found out that a, one of the people I was talking to had put my name in because he was leaving and he was in, in a pilot role there and said, hey, you guys should check out this guy. So anyway... Long story short, it was it was kind of twofold. I had liked the product, mm-hmm. and and frankly, and and just talking to the right person, and ex- expressing my passion and background, um, I I ended up with the job I have now. It was it's it's funny because I was talking to somebody at work about this today, and I think you just hit it on the nail. It's it's weird because I think this isn't just true in aviation. I think this is true in any industry. It's not really what you know. It's kind of what and who you know to to kind of get around the industry and to get the opportunities that you really want is you kind of have to almost 
stick a leg out there and get to know people and, and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's obviously everything needs to be done with a sense of humility, Yeah. but you have to put yourself out there. You know, people aren't going to know who you are if you stay in a closet your whole life. You know, you, you've got to talk to people, you've got to, you know, meet new people. And frankly, the, the times I've been most uncomfortable going up to somebody, shaking their hand, introducing myself are some of the most rewarding times after the fact, you know, it's the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's harder for some people than it is for others. Um, I'm, I'm by no means a, a extreme extrovert. Um, so I, I have to push myself to introduce myself to new people or, you know, I don't love being in a room full of people and not knowing anybody, you know, I'm, I'm the guy in the corner trying to get the, the gumption up to go say hi to somebody. So, um, it's challenging. It's work. It doesn't come easy to me, but it, it, it's what you have to do to, to get places in the world, in my opinion. So you guys are based in Idaho and Idaho yep. and you live here. So what's that like being a pretty much a remote employee for, I mean, what I would consider, you know, a well-known major, uh, fixed wing OEM. What's that like? What, like, what's that like, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I didn't always live in Texas. When I first started with the company, I lived in Idaho. Okay. So, and, and I'm glad I did because I learned about the company culture. The company could learn about me and mm -hmm. my abilities and, and assets. Um, we've obviously being a small company, there's just a lot of new people in the door often. So we've obviously gone through an ownership change at that, uh, over that time period. So, um, you know, being in Idaho, I was there for about two, two and a half years, give or take. Uh, and, but during that time I was also traveling 300 days a year. So I was in Idaho, but I really wasn't in Idaho, if, if that makes sense. Um, but it being here now, you know, in, in my role, um, running marketing, it, you can do that from anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of, in fact, well, all but one of the people in, in our marketing team is, are, are based remotely. Uh, -huh. uh and it's just the, the nature of marketing and the, and the work we do is all computer based and we spend a lot of time on the phone, but in the flight ops too. Right. So, um, I've got, there's, there's, um, some guys up in Sandpoint, um, our, that run our, our chief test pilots that run our production flight test. Uh, so they're obviously in Idaho. They're doing the local flying there. They, they help me with the local demos. And then anything that happens outside of our headquarters is kind of falls under my umbrella. So, I, you know, I was, I was leaving Idaho to go do demos and now I just leave Texas to go to do demos. demos yeah. so it, it, in <laughs> essence, it, it's a little bit the same. And now I just have a much bigger airport in DFW. So flights mm -hmm. are cheaper, helps the company it just makes sense. So we kind of mentioned earlier, we were, we've had a tough time scheduling this because your travel schedule is so crazy and hectic yeah. uh, sometimes. So tell the audience, what is that travel lifestyle like? I mean, it, it's got to be tough sometimes. You know, how do you, how do you and your wife deal with that together? Because sure. I think you threw a crazy stat out. Was it last year you you traveled like 330 or 340 out of 360 something days? Yeah. So, yeah. So 2017. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So we, I, um, yeah. Well, first let me say, I mean, I, I feel extraordinarily lucky to get to do what I do. Um, I, you know, to, I've been to 55 countries to date. And I mean, that's more countries than, you know, I, I would 
ever have dreamed to be able to go to. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the beauty of it is, you know, somebody else has paid for me to get there, right? Um, so not only is it a cool spot to go to, but it, I'm not having to pay out of my own pocket. Um, so from that standpoint, it's the coolest thing in the world and I feel extraordinarily lucky. Um, but like anything, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And so, you know, occasionally uh, the travel gets old, you know, I miss my own bed. I miss, you know, the creature comforts of home. You know, when I'm outside of the country, I certainly miss the creature comforts of, you know, flying in the U.S. or just being in the U.S. and, and what you're used to. Um, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, I, I I love my job because I, it, it affords me to travel. It, yeah. It, I, I get to do what I get to do, but it, it makes things hard. Luckily, Ashley and I, my, my wife, we don't have kids. So from a responsibility standpoint, you know, we can do this. And, and part of the reason, too, we made a pact, you know, that we would do it now. You know, I, in, in my opinion, I've seen, you know, people my parents' age, they retire and they've never done anything but work and have kids. And, you know, and all they want to do when they retire is go travel the world, which, yeah. which is great. But when you're 65, you're very much more limited into what you can do and into the creature comforts you're used to when you're, you know, 25 years old, you don't mind sleeping in a tent for mm -hmm. three weeks. And it's the adventure is fun of it, you know, is the fun part. Um, so we, Ashley and I, we wanted to do that while we had the youth behind us to be able to do it. And so we've, I think we've done it pretty successfully yeah. <laughs> so far. So I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see in ourselves, you know, as we get older, I just turned 30 last month. Um, you know, things are, our, our priorities are changing. We, we got married this last year. Um, God willing, there, there will be kids in the future at some point. So we understand that our lifestyle has to change and then mm -hmm. it's slowly changing. We finally bought a house. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just the evolution of life. So what are kind of the tips or, you know, any advice for, you know, the younger kids coming up through the aviation world and kind of see not just, you know, how you live your life doing the job that, that you do, but even, I mean, corporate pilots, airline pilots, uh, cargo pilots. I mean, it's, it's still a rough job mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of still have to have... I mean, you got to have a strong family together, you know, in order to kind of get through a schedule like that. So what are some of the, the tips and advice that you would give to maybe some of those young kids to be able to not be so worried uh, and scared about maybe that lifestyle? Sure. Well, absolutely. So I mean, we don't have kids, so I, I can't speak to what it's like to have a family, but I can speak to what it's like to be in a relationship because yeah. obviously Ashley is a pilot. She, she travels not quite as much as I do, but... Um, there was a couple years where we actually, we, we figured out, we, we saw each other more on the road away from Fort Worth and Dallas than we did in our own hometown. Uh, and that's, that's hard and that's trying. Um, but I think, you know, the core of, of any relationship obviously is trust. Yeah. And, you know, luckily for both Ashley and I, we had, we had had previous relationships where like, like all young people do, where mm -hmm. you learn what works, what doesn't. And so by the time we got together, it, it just fit. You know, we were best friends first. Then we became, you know, a, a relationship and an item. And so trust was just never, ever an issue. Um, and, you know, especially from my end, you know, she's a, she's a, a very attractive female in a very male-dominated <laughs> industry. <laughs> and so it just, you know, it, you have to have that, that baseline of, mm -hmm. of 
solid trust. And then on top of that, you know, the, the things like FaceTime, you know, internet being available around the world now, you know, we get, we talk every day, you know, and, and, and we know we, but we're both independent too. We've always both been that way. Um, part of why I was attracted to her is because she was, she wasn't dependent on anybody else. She made her own money. She did her own thing. She made her own choices. Uh, and, and so we still live life that way. And, and for us, it might not work for everybody, but for us, it's important. And it's, I think it's, it's why we've been successful now, 10 years down the road, being together, doing this, this crazy life and still loving every minute of it. So with the business and with going in, you know, we got a new year, we're in 2019. I mean, are there a lot, are any big plans for 2019 for the, for the brand, for, for you, for, for yeah, the aircraft? Gosh. Yeah. I mean, so 2018, we're coming off kind of our, our, our capstone year. Mm -hmm. It, it really was, um, a lot of the things that, that we've been working on for the last say five years, um, debuted in 2018, uh, a lot of the the legwork that that on the marketing side we've been doing and on the flight op side, um, we ended the year with as from a sales point of view more retail deliveries than we ever have had. So the the brand is growing, the airplane's doing great. Um, so I think 2019 really is going to be our year to sustain. Um, you know we we had so much great press pickup, we had a lot of a lot of interest in the product that that hadn't been there before and so we're we're taking that momentum and we want to sustain it mm -hmm. in in 2019 interesting so i mean you guys you guys have done a lot over the last few years i mean you've been through a lot over the last few years uh and a lot of changes obviously too but you know through everything kind of what has been the most rewarding thing uh about being with the business gosh yeah so that's a tough one. Um, you or, know, maybe, or maybe a lesson that you've learned from somebody in the business or something. Yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, the most rewarding, the probably the most rewarding thing is, is been the travel and the, the, the ability to experience different cultures. And on, on top of that, the, the ability to experience aviation around the world. You know, I've, I've gotten to fly VFR in, I think, 48 countries or something like that. You know, a lot of, you know, jet pilots, international jet pilots, they get to go to a lot of cool places, but they fly in IFR and fly out IFR and they don't get to explore. You know, I've flown all throughout Southeast Asia, you know, Africa at 500 feet in a Kodiak VFR, <laughs> getting to land on grass strips or gravel mm -hmm. bars or, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and, and that's just a unique experience to be able to see the landscape in that way. I mean, people pay thousands of dollars to get helicopter rides in Cape Town. And I've flown through, you know, from Cape Town to Johannesburg at 500 feet, you know, the whole way. So for, for me, that the, the ability to experience the cultures and experience aviation all over the world like that is, is by far the, the most memorable thing I'll take away from, you know, whenever step two comes, comes my way, <laughs> um, you know, this job will always, always for be, you know, I think the coolest thing in the world. So kind of going to give you a little, let you have a little plug. I mean, what makes the Kodiak so great and so special, you know, in its, in its sector of, uh, of the fixed wing market? 
Yeah, I mean, so I won't I won't get a sales pitch on you here, but basically the Kodiak is your pickup truck or your Range Rover with wings. It's it's like a luxury SUV mm-hmm. with wings. Um, you know, it's it's those Range Rover commercials that you see where where you know a, a family and you know comes out of a gala in their suit and tuxedos and and ball gowns. They get into a, a luxurious Range Rover, and then in the next scene, they're taking it up a sand dune in the Sahara Desert. That's really what the Kodiak is. It it can be your daily driver, the luxurious daily driver, or it could it can do things that a Jeep Wrangler can do and land in places that airplanes were never supposed to land in. And there's no other modern turbine aircraft that can do that. The Kodiak was purpose-built, clean sheet design to do that type of work. And, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to get to fly most of our competitive products and there's, there's nothing that can do it quite like the Kodiak can. So in, in building kind of the brand and, you know, the marketing department and all the, the social channels and everything, it was obvious that you had a passion for photography. And it seems like that passion may have been, we can go way back and yeah. when, you, when you first started. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, you're putting a lot of content, you know, out on the internet today. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people out there in the world that kind of don't understand why people why people do that and kind of what's uh, it, what's the purpose and how somebody so busy like you could have the, obviously have the time to do something like that. Uh, so kind of how has the power of social media and, and Instagram and other channels uh, really helped you personally and the business inside the aviation space? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, me personally, I mean, we, we wouldn't be sitting here today without social media. That's, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you know, in, in the generation we live in today, I, you know, there's a lot of bad and negative, I think, that's associated with social media. But the one good thing and the one thing that probably the, the main reason I'm on platforms is the networking aspect, getting to, to meet new people. I mean, I, I'd probably say more than 50 percent of my close friends today I met on through social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, then you see them at air shows, you get to know them and you all have like-minded, um, associations and you become fast friends. And if social media is not there, more than likely you pass that person at an air show and never speak to them, have no idea, you know, what they like. And you just, you don't have the time in the day to meet people like that. So social media, you can quickly see somebody's profile and say, hey, they like the same things I like. I'm going to follow them. And then you get talking to them and turns out you guys have all the same interests and you become good friends. And, and it's just a it's a quick way to to meet people. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's the coolest thing in the world, because, you know, I think you know, life without friends is, you know, I love being surrounded by friends and, and the people, you know, I, I treat my friends like family and, um, I, I just, I, th- I think social media is the coolest thing in the world to be able to meet people like that. But from a, from a standpoint of the company, I mean, it, there's no denying, I mean, the, the, the next generation, you know, I, I, I kind of said this a while back, you know, I, I think the, the normal webpage is dying. Yep. Because when I find a brand I like or somebody tells me about a brand, the first thing I do is go to Instagram and mm-hmm. search the brand on Instagram. I don't go to a website. I don't go to Google. I go look and see if they have a social media profile. 
And if they do, if they post good content, I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this is a brand that I'm, that I connect with. And, you know, before, before, if, if they're savvy, you know, I'm not too long, they see my, you know, the metadata and I'm getting ads for their product on my Instagram feed. And I'm, you know, one morning I'm still groggy and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to buy that. Yeah. You know, and, and the whole process works and I'm, you know, I'm in marketing. I know what, I know what they're doing, but I'm still a sucker for it. Yeah. I think we all are. Yeah. You know, and so it, it's, um, it, it, it just, uh, you have to be there in, in this day and age. And I think, in my opinion, it's a it's a cooler way to connect with companies. I like the trend of companies being more socially conscious, being more aware of building a lifestyle around their brand. And, and it doesn't matter if you're selling pencils or airplanes or a service of some kind, you can still build a lifestyle around a brand. I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, Sears is in the headlines. They're going, you know, obviously going out of Bankrupt, business yeah. after a hundred something years of being in business. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a perfect example of a brand that didn't adapt to the time. And, and I love, you know, the, some of the brands I love, you know, Yeti or, or, you know, the North Face or Patagonia, some of those brands. I mean, I don't, I, I don't buy their clothes because I necessarily, I mean, I like their clothes, but I like either what they stand for or I, you know, I like what they're doing. I like that they're sponsoring athletes that are walking across Antarctica, you know, or, or, or stuff like that. It's stuff I connect with. I want to be connected with those brands. And I like that trend. It's no longer just a store I go and buy, you know, Kleenex in. It's a store that's doing cool things. And I want to shop there because I want to support that store. So it seems like a lot of the content that not only that you've pushed out. I mean, it's going out on, you know, the business page as well. So how are you getting those content ideas? I mean, is it just kind of spur of the moment you guys are out there in the field, uh, and you have the opportunity? Um, I mean, are they planned, are they planned content ideas or, because I mean, you're so busy, you're traveling all the time. I mean, is it just kind of, you guys are just documenting the journey of the aircraft or how does that work? Yeah, I wish there was a, a cut and dry answer to that question. Like, what what are you? Yeah. What do you want people to know about Kodiak by doing what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it really it's evolved, right? So it's it's it really started as just my personal feed that was mm -hmm. transposed to the to the business feed. Um, and you know, and 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 I think it started that way because we didn't really have a marketing department. We didn't have any strategy behind it. And it was, it was my way of sharing, you know, I, I flew the, I got, I was so lucky to get to fly the Kodiak around all of these cool places. And I, you know, naturally I'm, I'm into photography, as you mentioned, and, and I like photography, not a, as a, at a professional level mm -hmm. by any means, but just as a, as an amateur, I love looking at pretty photos. I mean, most of the people, like a I, hobby kind yeah, of, most basically. of the people I follow on Instagram are people that are posting great photos. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, of course you want to emulate them or you want to post good content. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I'm getting to fly a Kodiak at 500 feet over the beach, uh, you know, the gold coast of Australia or, you know, in the Sahara desert in Morocco or, or whatever it is. I'm like, people, you know, people pay thousands of dollars to get to have this site for, you know, a, a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And here I am getting paid to do it. And so it was just my way to kind of share with the world. You know, it, the, the world's beautiful. The world's amazing. There's so many unexplored places that people never think of visiting. And, and so I was just, you know, I like to share those things. I, I hate 
the fact that I've got 80,000 photos on my phone's camera roll and only, you know, only a thousand of them are on my Instagram feed. Yeah. And, you know, people get tired of it after a while, but, uh, it, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I love sharing things like that with the world and, and hoping that other people get to experience them as well. I mean, I wish every time I flew the Kodiak, I had every seat in that airplane full mm -hmm. because I think sometimes it's such a travesty when I get, when I have to fly an airplane empty somewhere. And, and sometimes it's just, you have to, or it just works out that way. But, um, I would love to share every flight with somebody. I mean, it's, it's really cool because the way you document all your flying and the photos that you do is you're taking those photos below the clouds. Right. And it's funny while everybody else, you know, even if they're not in aviation, right? Like even if they're traveling on a plane themselves, they're taking photos above yeah. <laughs> the clouds. You can't see anything up there. Yeah. And I mean, some of the, if you guys don't follow him, we'll let him plug, uh, plug his stuff in here at the end of the show. But I mean, some of the travel that you get to do in the aircraft, I mean, it's some pretty cool scenery yeah. that you get to see. No, I mean, I just posted, you know, a video I, that, that I particularly love not too long ago is I was in, in the Southern Utah, uh, desert and, there was this this gravel bar on on BLM land, uh, but the only way that I could figure out how to land there was I had to literally get down in the canyon, and the canyon was probably maybe a hundred feet wide or something, and my wingspan's forty five feet, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it was maybe it was probably wider than that, but it, it seemed like it was about a hundred feet wide when I was going down into it, and literally I am you know I'm probably fifty feet above the river and a hundred feet below the canyon walls. Um, to try and get into this, this airstrip. And, and that's just, that's, people don't fly there. You know, obviously it's, it's a hundred percent okay. You know, it's within regulations. I was in, you know, in a landing, uh, a flight, but, um, yeah, I mean, most people, when they fly in airplanes and most pilots, frankly, they take off and get as high as possible, as fast as possible. And then they're cruising up above the clouds, as you said, for, you know, a couple hours. And then they go back through the clouds and land as quick as possible and do the same thing over again, where, you know, every flight I take, there's, it's, there's never one the same. And, uh, and you're right. I get to see the coolest things because I'm, I'm at an altitude where I can enjoy them and, and differentiate between, you know, a deciduous forest and a, and a coniferous forest or, a, you know, a river or, or whatever, um, so it's, it's different. There, there's definitely drawbacks. I'm, I'm not above the weather and there's a lot of flights where I really wish sometimes that I was at 35,000 feet because, uh, you can see what sells to avoid at that altitude yeah. where a lot, you know, I've had flights where I'm in embedded thunderstorms getting, you know, lightnings going off around me and I, I couldn't want to be on the ground anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just, and so there's, there's, there's good and bad, but, uh, I, I particularly like it. So for the younger, you know, kind of wrapping, you know, your photography hobby and kind of the things that you've been doing out in social media, what would you recommend to, you know, the younger folks out there? Because you, you were kind of, I mean, you compared it to Sears, right? Like, you know, they didn't get with the times, you know, I feel like I don't want to say it to, you know, kids that don't utilize tools like we do is almost, they kind of almost have to get with the times because of the opportunities that can come out of it. It's not the negative saying, you know, you're not cool for doing this. It's the, what you're missing out on. So what are the types of, you know, advice that you would have for maybe younger kids coming up in the aviation world and maybe using it as a tool to reach their dreams and their goals? No, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, everybody has a different path. Everybody has different things that, that, 
they feel like they need to do. And, and there's no right way for, for anybody or a right tool to use. Um, I think the advice is, is be knowledgeable, understand what's out there, understand, you know, what, what is it you want to do? I mean, social media is not right for everybody. And, and some people want to have private accounts. Some people like public accounts, you know, so it's, um, it's just, everybody has different paths, but you just need to understand what's, what's out there, what, what's right for you, what works for you. Um, and I, you know, I, I think life has a funny way of working itself out. So we're going to get in the last section, uh, kind of about you and your opinions and kind of how you feel and really, you know, how you go about your day inside the aviation world. And I really love this section because I really kind of, I kind of deep probe into the feelings, uh, of my <laughs> guests and kind of getting their, their beliefs in here. Uh, here we go. So we, we touched <laughs> briefly on your, you know, the, the saying, the, the Cajun saying, uh, what are your personal values that you always try to live by? Yeah. I mean, treat people with respect, right? I mean that, I think for me, um, growing up, I don't know that there was a word that, that was hit home more, uh, than, than, you know, respect for others. Think about others before you think about yourself, treat people with respect. And, and I think that's lost on a lot of people today from, from old to young. I mean, I don't think it's generational. I think, you know, people just don't value respect and value, you know, in respecting others for different beliefs, for different values, for different things. And, and certainly I, I don't think people are um, cognizant of those people surrounding them, you know, and, and I'm, I'm certainly fall victim to this time. I'm, I'm by no means perfect. Um, so for me, I, you know, my, my values is, is, is respect. And, you know, it's kind of, I was born and raised in Texas and it, it's, it's cliche to say it's a Southern thing, but you know, uh, I was born as, as a Southern gentleman, open door for ladies, uh, you know, I think that you can't get that out of me if you tried. It's just, it's, it's in there and that's who I am. So why do you believe, you know, especially in the younger generation, things are just changing nowadays, you know, um, but why do you believe or what is the common reason that maybe you feel is why the younger generation isn't reaching their goals and reaching their potential? I don't know. I don't know that I, I necessarily agree with that. I think, you know, I, I think people have different goals. I think generationally they, the goals change. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what I find, you know, what, what my definition of success is, is probably not a 20-year-old's definition of success. And the next generation below them is going to have a different one. I mean, we're, we're in a time of change. Um, you know, when I didn't go to college right out of high school, you know, parents or uh, uh, my, my parents' friends, some of them disowned my parents because they thought that they were going to screw me up for life because, I, you know, that was what you, you had to do. You had to go to college right out of high school. Mm -hmm. And I was at a point in my life where I just would have partied and, and wasted money and failed out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, I had to go through that stage of life to, to realize it, to realize it was a bit empty. And, and then when I went back to school, I, I went to school to learn. You know, and, and I watched, I went to a, a pretty expensive school by a good by, school. Yeah, a good <laughs> school, but it was, it was certainly not cheap. And I went there because, you know, I felt like it was a good investment in myself, but 
I went there and you better believe I took 18 hours every semester and got out of there as quick as I could because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't afford another semester, you know? So, um, you know, I think, I, I think people just, I think people have different goals and not every, like I said earlier, not everybody has to have the same goal. It just, uh, you know, you got to figure out what works for you and what you want out of life and, and you'll get there. So you've obviously been through a lot. You've experienced a lot. I mean, you dropped everything and went to New Zealand Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I mean, now you're traveling all the time, uh, meeting new people, seeing new things and experiencing new things. So what are, you know, you've obviously experienced some roadblocks in life. Mm. Um, you know, what are some of those lessons that you could share with the audience that, you know, what are those roadblocks and how did you get over them? No, absolutely. Yeah. So I've, I've had, gosh, I've had my fair share, um, but there's, you know, there's been, been quite a few. I, um, there's a couple I'm thinking of. I I don't know that I want to get, get in too deep, but that's just going to bore your, your, your listeners. But, um, you know, for, for me, what gets me through every roadblock is just hustle. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds cliche again, but you know, when, when one door is closed, more than likely there's one open right behind you. You just got to, you know, get up off your ass, turn around and, and see it. And, and a lot of times, you know, it took me a long time in my life to learn this, but you know, if you walk with your head down after a door is closed, you miss the door that's wide open right Mm -hmm. next to you. And so for me, you know, it's less about getting down on yourself. It's less about, you know, thinking about what could have been and more about saying what's next, you know, forget that opportunity or lesson learned, you know, you got to have three no's for every yes you get, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. So without getting into too much detail about any personal ones, I think for me, that's, that's really the, the mantra. And, and, you know, a lot of times in my life, I've had to take a couple steps back to get a couple more steps ahead. Mm-hmm. And I'm never, you know, I, I try to never put myself in a situation where I have to have a job. You know, I, you know, I, I like to, I like to have the the mindset that I could lose my job tomorrow for, you know, anything for medical reasons, for, you know, the company goes under, the, you know, whatever. And I, I'd still come out the other end. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I try to live conservatively, but we also try to live, you know, pretty liberally and, and take chances and enjoy life because I don't know if I have tomorrow. So you better believe I'm going to have, you know, enjoy life today. Of course. All right. So the last question, you know, that I don't know, maybe you've thought about this one before, but I asked this of everybody and, and that's if you could send a message to yourself, maybe 10 years ago to the younger Mark, (laughs) what would be that message that you would send yourself? You know what? I, um, I'm pretty happy with, with how things have gone the last 10 years. So I would probably just say, you know, keep, keep your head up and enjoy every moment because I think there's, you know, I really, I have certainly there's, there's little minor regrets. I think everybody has a couple of those, but I mean, the life and the path I've been put on 
Uh, I've, I really can't think of anything that I would want to change. I've certainly had good and bad, but it's made me who I am today. And I'm pretty happy with that. And, uh, I think maybe the only thing I would tell that person t- 10 years ago is, is enjoy every moment yeah. because days go by quick. You turn 30, you know, you end up being 30 years old and you, you look back and say, what the heck happened in my twenties? So. <laughs> all right. So we, we, you know, we were introduced to you. You told us all about, you know, how life was growing up, how life here is in Texas. And then we learned a lot more, uh, about what you're doing, uh, with quest and the Kodiak, uh, how 2018 went and kind of big things that are coming in 2019. Uh, as well as just some personal things to you and kind of how you live your life and in the tips uh, and advice that you have for kind of the younger aviators um, out there. But we're going to get into the lighting round now. And it's okay. kind of the fun part. Here we go. Uh, this is the part I know everybody loves listening to because I get comments all the time about the funny things that people say. So <laughs> I can't. Hopefully you got no, some no funny. St- hopefully here. you got some funny <laughs> stuff coming for me. Um, but we're going to start. So question number one everyone in aviation has their own quirks. I got my own. So on a scale of one to 10, how weird do you consider yourself? (laughs) How weird do I consider myself? Probably a a seven, a solid seven. That's good. All right. That's funny because I think from the first episode (laughs) to now, I think I don't, I really don't think I've hit anything below seven. I think everybody's about seven to 10. Yeah. No, I definitely got some quirks. Question number two, what's your favorite word? Word? Word. Um, moist because it's everyone's least favorite word. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me cringe when somebody (laughs) says that. All right. Question number three, what's your favorite food? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, you've been all over the world too. So yeah, man, that's a really tough one. I think my favorite genre of food is Mexican. Mexican. Yeah. By I far. would agree. Question number four, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, radial engines. Really? Yeah. Any, any airplane with a radial engine. Just the, the clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah, kinda. like a, a, a B-25. My favorite thing in the world is when a B-25 passes overhead and like a low pass and you get, you know, you get the loud engine noise as it passes, but as it's going off into the distance, you get this real low guttural, like, I live for that sound. I really thought, you know, being, being that you, you fly the Cody, I thought you would say the, the turbine because those turbines may, I mean, when they yeah. start up, they have a kind it's of a, a cool funny sound. little. Yeah, no, it's a cool sound, but, um. I know there's just some there's it's like a you know it's like a pickup truck versus like an electric car yeah. you know it's like the radio just has a like a manly like <laughs> oh, that's that's just badass just right a there. man's engine yeah <laughs> all right question number five what's the most important thing you carry with you on every single flight oh man um well the stupid answer is my pilot's license yeah uh, <laughs> maybe something that i don't know uh one of our guests said a pack of gum. They always bring a pack of gum with them yeah. on a flight. What's kind of that like weird thing? Yeah, I, I probably, I mean, there's obviously I, I always have a pack of gum just because you're in close proximity with other people. Yeah. You, you don't want to be the one that's smelling bad. The stinky one. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I always try to have a knife. Um, that goes back to some of my old survival stuff and some of the stuff I did when I was younger. But um, I feel like you always need a good knife with you in case of whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you got to open fuel caps with it. Sometimes you need it to, you know, stab a crazy person and, <laughs> you know, or, or sometimes you need it to cut a seatbelt. So I don't know. <laughs> All 
All right. Question number six, what profession other than the one you're in right now, would you attempt if you had the opportunity? Uh, being a doctor. Really? Yeah. Any specific reason? Uh, I've spent a good deal of time in hospitals. Okay. And uh, I've, I've always had a good deal of respect for doctors. And uh, I think a, a kind of a secret uh, passion of mine is, is medical field. I, I know very little about it, but if I had the, all the time in the world, I'd probably read medical journals more often. Really? Yes. To- <laughs> totally nerdy thing, but I just, I have a fascination with the human body. I think it's really cool. So question number seven, especially for pilots too. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the fighter pilots and whatnot, man, the things that they do to uh, their bodies while they're flying is just, it's crazy. So number seven, what are you not very good at? What am I not very good at? A whole bunch of things. Um, one is being clear and concise with my sentences. I tend to ramble. No, no. <laughs> I can do that too. Here, trust here, me. Here, I'm, I'm going again. Um, God, there's there's so many things I'm not good at, um, but uh, you know, I, I I I say that now I can't I can't think of any. But uh, there's a lot of sports I'm not good at. There's um, Ashley and I try to play tennis, but we're terrible at it. You know, there's just a lot of obvious things. I I also I'm I I'm not good at it, and I really dislike cooking. I hate cooking. Yeah, I I'm like your quintessential millennial. I I could. You know, people ask, like, if, if you're the richest person in the world, what would you hire? You know, what, what would you do? What would your splurge thing be? I'd hire a chef, chef. and a masseuse. Those <laughs> are the two things. I love getting massages, and I'd hire a chef because I hate cooking. I, I feel it on that. I've made a pizza tonight. <laughs> that was my uh, my wife and I's dinner, so yeah. no, trust me, I believe that. Uh, question number eight. What is your ultimate dream in life? Uh, my ultimate dream, going to space. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love yep. to do that. Question number nine. What is your biggest pet peeve in aviation? Oh, man. <laughs> There's a lot of those, too. Gosh. Uh, uh, man, there's so many of those. Uh, I think, I mean, this is this is more theoretical than, than funny, but, you know, people that forget how to have fun flying airplanes. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's serious. Yeah, there's people on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just the coolest thing in the world. Have yeah. some fun while I mean, you're It's a cool there. machine. It's yeah. <laughs> you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to be so militaristic about it. You know, enjoy it. If things go awry, that's what we're trained for. Enjoy, enjoy it and do your job. So question number 10, the last one here in the lightning round. If you could fly anything other than the Kodiak, what would you fly? Cliche again, but the space shuttle. Space shuttle? Yeah. So you want them to bring it back? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. That to to get to fly the space shuttle and land it at Cape Canaveral or Edwards, you know, or wherever it lands, that that'd be the coolest thing. So, what do you think about SpaceX putting people back on? I love it, man. I love. I, I want to see the space race. You know, whether it's between us and another country or us, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and some of the others out there. Let's do it. I mean, I think. You might throw the Chinese in there too, yeah, since they yeah. just landed on the dark side of the moon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, I think they just had an infatuation with Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into the fi- final questions. These are kind of the big final two questions that I ask everybody, and they're really intriguing. But the opportunity um, is after I ask you a question, then you can ask me any random question back. I, I haven't prepared for anything, okay. um, but <laughs> it's really interesting, kind of the questions that people ask. So. The question I'm going to ask you is 70 years from now, 
how do you want people to remember Mark? So when you're sitting there in your rocking chair in your late 90s. Well, I hope I'm still alive at that point. But um, Well, with medicine, you know, it yeah. may. <laughs> yeah, I hope, honestly, I hope I live such a great life that my body kicks out before I'm, I'm too old to enjoy it anymore. <laughs> but uh, for, for me, it's, it's that I was, you know, a, a good family member. I was a good dad to, to the kids I hope to, hope to have. I was, you know, a, a good husband to, Ash, to Ashley you know, and, and a good grandpa and, you know, and I hope the people that come to my funeral are, you know, remember me as a good person that, that contributed to society in some way. So now you have the opportunity to ask me a question. I don't oh, know what geez. you're going to ask. So I'm really intrigued to, uh, oh man, to hear a question. I had come up with a couple throughout the interview and now I've forgotten what they were. <laughs> um, that's our that's our rambling skills that we yeah, have. We yeah, just kind of exactly. ramble. <laughs> this is what you do to people. You you ask them so many questions, they're brain dead. <laughs> no, I think uh, I, for me, I'm I'm interested because you work at Bell, right? Yeah. So, what I mean, Bell or, or Airbus, and which you know, if you if okay, let me ask you this: if if you could, if you had to buy an Airbus helicopter, which one would you get and why? If I had to buy an Airbus. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Um, well, I hate to say it. I wouldn't buy the 225, the Super Puma. It has way too many issues. Okay. <laughs> it's having have a lot of issues lately. You know, the the A-Star. Yeah. You know, it's, cool. a, it's just like the 407. Um, both of those aircraft are just beast aircraft. Yeah. They've each sold thousands of units uh, around the world um, for a long... I mean, basically, it's the only aircraft out of all the OEMs that all the... I mean, they just go back to back. It's like, we come yeah. out with one, they one-up us. We one-up them, Yeah. they want... I mean, we just keep going back and forth. And we just released another one uh, last year to one-up kind of our own model. Um, in the GXI. So now oh, it's yeah. like we're two steps up, um, even though the general aircraft itself has not changed. But the A-Star, yeah. is, it's a really capable aircraft. Yeah, uh, It's just like the 407. People trust it. I mean, operating costs are yeah. fairly low, um, you know, for a turbine. So I would say, and, you know, I've been around an A-Star. Yeah. I've been in an A-Star. I've been in the 407. You know, I like the 407. It's fast and smooth. But I mean, there's a lot of people out there that use the A-Star and it does the job for them. It's kind of the workhorse. It does a lot of things. It can be your private ship and it can also be your utility ship. So it's yeah. kind of like the Kodiak. Yeah, it's, you like can, it, it's like a li You guys kind of have the... Pocket almost, knife of airplanes. Yeah. 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 Well, I would say almost like the, the F-150 kind of yeah. or the Tundra right. and kind of the 407 and A-Star. They're almost like the... Um, the Tacoma, you know, the powerful, right, the yeah. smaller, you know, a lot of power on a small frame. So, no, I mean, both cool. it's a really cool aircraft. It's sold a lot. You can't, you can't go wrong with it. People out there love it. They live by it. Um, yeah. just like people live by the 407. So yeah. even though we hate our French compadres, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're leaving us there. I hear they're leaving us out of uh, here out of Texas. So yeah, that's what I've, I've heard too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's, it's fun to, even in, you know, the deals, even all the guys out there on the field, I mean, it's challenging to go up against them, but 
they have fun with it too. And every, I mean, it's yeah. you, like you said, it's a small industry. Yeah. Everybody's friend. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. You know, the other person that's, yeah. you know, they're also negotiating with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think everybody does really well when there's, when aircraft like that have a mutual respect for each other and you, I mean, yeah. you just got to push. So I would no, that's, say that's kind of, that's a cool thing about this industry. Cause you never know you, you, you could wake up the next morning and be working for Airbus and, yeah. or, you know, for me working for one of my competitive products. And like you said, I mean, the, the people at, at our main competitor, I mean, I've got some of my best friends work, work over there. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, you know what, at the end of the day, it's, it's fun to have some competition and, and, fight it out and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And for us on the marketing and, you know, in business, it's really fun to, to watch them and then, you know, just do new things, try new things and then see what everybody's doing. Because when it's almost like when you're pushing each other, when you, your competitor's pushing you, you're pushing your competitor, you're almost creating a better industry anyways. Absolutely. So. No, for sure. So the last question, it's kind of your opportunity to ask a question that we'll pose on social media. I'll go out there and post it to the audience. What would you like to ask the audience? Sure. I think, um, since, since a lot of today has been, you know, my kind of unique path, if you will, um, in this aviation world, I guess I would, I would, I would pose a question. I'd love to hear, you know, stories, what, you know, what made your, your path to where you are today unique? Did you, did you follow the, the standard procedure or did you do something like I did where you took some time off or, or maybe you did something totally different? I'd love to hear different stories. So did you listen to the flight attendant when they told you to put your phone down or did you have the phone open the whole time? I'm definitely that person that had the phone open the whole time and took the, the path less travel. All right. I want you to, I want people to start following you and and looking you up. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, sure. So my, my personal Instagram is at world of Mark. So pretty easy. And then of course the company I work for is quest aircraft company. Our, our Instagram is at quest aircraft. Uh, and then we're on, uh, YouTube quest aircraft company on YouTube. Um, this year you'll, you'll see us posting quite a bit of content, uh, video content. So keep an eye on that. Obviously it will always be posted to our Instagram as well, but Feel free to reach out to me on my personal channel at World of Mark. I try to respond to most of my direct messages. So happy to answer questions, happy to just chat. So love to hear from different people. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Again, go follow Mark at World of Mark. Yep. How did you come up with that name? You just kind of randomly. No, that, that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast, man. <laughs> uh, but everybody, thanks again. And I hope, you know, the whole goal here in 2019 is, you know, one podcast uh, a week. I hope to bring a lot more guests and I'm glad you were the first guest uh, yeah, of the year. Uh, get to have a representative of OEM uh, here on the podcast. But guys, we'll, uh, we are signing off for today. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in and we will see you next time on the next episode of the Avki Chronicles podcast. Thanks. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode number one of 2019 has just dropped, and I'm super excited for this year. Reminder to all my listeners out there, if you haven't already, make sure you go over to the iTunes podcast network. Uh, subscribe, make sure you subscribe, and then you'll always uh, get the newest updates uh, of the Abgeek Chronicles podcast. 
And two, please leave a one-sentence review and a five-star rating for the FGeek Chronicles podcast. In your review, you know, a one-sentence review, make sure you let me know what you thought. You know, let me know what you thought of Mark or any of my previous guests because, you know, your word of mouth is going to be how we can improve the FGeek Chronicles podcast. So make sure you go over there, give it a five-star rating, and leave a one-sentence review. And if you haven't, if you listen over on Spotify, if you uh, listen over on uh, any other podcast network, Make sure you hit that subscribe because if you subscribe, that means you're going to ensure yourself that you're going to always hear the newest episodes of the Abby Chronicles podcast. So make sure you subscribe, comment, and leave a rating, and I will greatly appreciate it. And I hope to bring you guys so many more episodes this year with a lot new, con- a lot of new content, a lot of new guests, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy this year on the Abby Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much, and I look forward to the rest of 2019.